You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe, alongside very perked up. Jake Martin from the Washita Citizen. Perked up. I was being sarcastic. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I need to start bringing you some of my uh, coffee from home. I bring my own coffee. Thank you. Um, I do not need to taste what you've got going on over there. Strong. It's it's not strong. It's just sour, really. <laughs> I like strong coffee. Yours is uh, just a little different. Uh, speaking of sour, we will break down uh, the media days, including uh, Nick Saban, over the course of the next two hours. You can join the conversation on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line, 888-993-7762. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. As we typically do, we lead off with some headlines on this Thursday morning. Yeah, um, where to start? You, you want to get some of the... Uh, let's get some of these other ones out the way first before we get into some football. Okay. Dodgers get Machado. Yeah. No shocker there. They end up sending five prospects to the Orioles in, in exchange for them. Um, I'm surprised you started with that. Well, it, no, I, I just think like all, all these transactions, we've kind of already discussed it a lot, but it's it's uh, they've been finalized in one form or the other. So I feel like we need to mention it but we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. So Machado goes to the Dodgers like everyone thought. Um, what else? The The trade between the Spurs and the Raptors has been finalized, and Greg Popovich is, is saying, let's move on. I like his quote here, typical Pop style. At this point, my main interest is definitely not to look back. It doesn't do any of us good, any good whatsoever. I'm thrilled to have DeMar and Jacob join us from that point on. That is where my focus will be. I'm not too interested in talking about the past. I don't even want to talk about Tim Duncan. <laughs> That's good. Got his point across. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that too. But uh, and, uh, the third storyline I wanted to bring up was the trout issue before we get into media days. Um, trout, of course, I, I spoke in depth about it yesterday about how uh, – Washington posted a story about his awareness and how one in five people recognize him in America, which is equivalent to uh, Fareed, who, who is a Ford that averages 14 minutes per game. That's not a good look for baseball. Of course, Rob Manford, as you said, uh, did what a coach, what a bad coach would do, and that's put it on his players. He he, he reflects it back onto uh, Trout, saying, "Well, you know, he 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 doesn't, you know, he needs to attack it, attack the media more in in the off season. He needs to do more." media after the season which he doesn't and so since then we've had the angels come out with a statement they've completely backed trout um which i thought was cool and then trout has come out and said that he has everything is cool with manfred so it's kind of they're trying to blow over the story but i still think it's a big deal that the commissioner lee like you would never see adam silver saying things like this about lebron james or you know goodell uh, coming out vocally against someone like Tom Brady. Now, they've had their issues with the flake gate and whatnot, but he's never come out and said, well, he's just not a big enough star, which is essentially what Manfred said. I know you're not all in, but the British Open is underway. Kevin Keisner leading the way at five under. These cats chasing him, I have no idea who they are. Eric Van Ruin, Xander Lombard, and Brandon Stone. But uh, they are at uh, four and three under. Of course, this is just underway. Half the field basically on the course some of them are already finished in case you're wondering uh tiger tees off our time sometime around uh, 9 30 or so i believe all right one more thing before we get into some media day talks and i didn't tell you about this i wanted to kind of surprise you uh, i sent a clip to Tabor. uh this is because i i knew you would enjoy this this is uh w- one of your favorite stories of the year i believe just the way you talked about it here is magic johnson with jimmy kimmel last night talking about the meeting with LeBron. I would love to have a meeting with the Lakers, but he wants to have it with Magic. 
Right. And so that's oh. what happened. I see. And then, are you excited? Like, oh, great, I get to be in there by myself? Or would you rather Rob was there and the whole team was there yeah, with no, you? I was ready, man. You were ready to yeah, do yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, you know. What time I, did I you work, show up? I worked best by myself. Um, I showed up at 8 o'clock. You showed up at 8 o'clock. Before you took this meeting with LeBron, did you speak to Lonzo Ball's father to make sure it was okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay to recruit him to be a part of the team. <laughs> I would have called you first before I called LeVar Ball. Trust me. <laughs> um, no, I didn't call LeVar. You did not call? No, okay. no, and ask permission. So I got there at 8, and, uh -huh. I, and I said... You're I an hour early. Oh, I'm... What'd you do, sit in the car? That's right. Okay. I, <laughs> I'm an on-time guy. <laughs> I was just hoping that I didn't have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but that would I, be a weird way to start. Exactly. Yeah. All right, that's pretty good. Yeah, I knew you'd like Jimmy that. Jimmy Kimmel pulled that out well. He that did. That was good. Yeah, it, it, just because of the fact that he, this is Magic Johnson showing up an hour early, yeah. plus the Lamar have to go behind stuff. the tree to go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> in a ritzy neighborhood. I knew you'd like yeah. that. I like that ball. That was a good, nice little crack against him. It, it was. It was. It was a great, um, and, and it's something that everybody appreciates. Like, who likes LeVar Ball, yeah. right? I mean, everybody's <laughs> sick of that guy. Yeah. So you, you heard the audience applaud whenever he said that. You know what? Maybe they should have Magic Johnson host the ESPYs next year. Oh, good segue. Yeah. And you know what? All right. You and I had, had differing opinions. On First this. of all, uh, I need to go back. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the ESPYs, and sometimes I forget how much I actually do enjoy. Yeah, you were hating on me. I don't know why that was, but I, I, you know, the thing is, I love the the production value of it and the the, of the music montage and the video montage. They're so well done, and then of course you throw in the important words like the, the important honors like the Valvano Award and, and the Tillman Awards, and it's must see TV. It is. And there were certain parts of it last night that were. Now, there were other parts, like that monologue by Danica Patrick that was just cringeworthy. Yes, it was. A lot. I would say more jokes fell flat than actually landed. And I said this before yesterday, the fact that that room, it's harder to get laughs out of that room. I feel like actors and actresses give you more pity laughs. Yeah. Athletes, athletes don't, don't catch any athletes slack. Athletes are like, you better <laughs> entertain me, or, or I'm not giving you anything. And then the cutaways of them are so. I mean, they're just so. They can't fake it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're they're so disinterested, and and so I I think uh, what was the they, they had the joke about LeBron, uh, about him him moving to, to to Los Angeles. It was awful. And you said, in our in our pre-show meeting, you said. <laughs> I, I don't blame her. I think it's a it's it's bad. It's hard to make people laugh in that situation. Yeah. My response to that was, if you're not funny, don't do it. Mm. Simple as that. If you're not funny, don't do it. You have to be charismatic and you have to be naturally funny. Well, it's all scripted too, and of course there's a but staff of writers to, that know how to deliver. You have to be able to deliver it. Me, I wish I was funny. I'm not funny. I understand. I'm not a funny guy. They had John Stewart, I think it was the Pat Tillman Award, him present that. And I thought, why not just have John right. Stewart <laughs> right. and have Danica Patrick present the Pat Tillman Award? Yes. Now, I'll give her a little slack. There were a few things she said that were, that were funny. You um, know what I was waiting for in the monologue? was a wisecrack again. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. I waited. I and of course, too. There was a skit later on that was making fun of Tanya Harding. I like that. That was good. You didn't like that? Uh, William says Jim Kelly was the best to me. You are right, William. Uh, Jim Kelly, we're no going to play some sound from it later on. Uh, first of all, just the, the the package that they put up together before and just his road and what it's been like throughout his career and the heartaches he's had throughout his life. And then to see him get up there and to see just uh, a Jim Kelly that none of us would recognize. That Jimmy V Award is always money. Like, it's always a great, inspiring speech with that. And Jim Kelly – might have raised the bar, really. I mean, after after hearing everything he said, and I love the way that, that these athletes that are honored with this, they, they use that platform to inspire others. Mm -hmm. They talk about their struggles and their journeys, and they thank their friends and their families, but they try to keep it uplifting. They try to make you laugh, and then they try to inspire you and let you know that, hey, through these things, I've been able to cope with this issue that I've dealt with. 
And I, I, you know, Jim Kelly did that, I thought, better than anybody. The only thing that was probably more cringeworthy than Danica Patrick hosting was some of the outfits. And Odell Beckham, you being number one. The, what is up with the suit With shorts? the shorts? Like, yeah. that's, I guess LeBron does it, now everybody has to do it. Yeah. I don't know. And then Odell's hair. You know, people question, people question Odell's sexuality. Yeah. He's not doing himself any favors. <laughs> I, I told my wife that last night. I was like, look, I've. I've told because because my buddies are like you know he's and I'm like listen I don't think so guys I I'm, I'm pretty sure he's he's not and then he goes out there looking like that and I'm like well, what what can I say how can I how can I defend that uh, the best moment for a Saints fan of course the worst moment of the entire year the worst moment of the decade worst moment in yeah. maybe the franchise's uh, history and that says a lot of course the Vikings recognized as the best moment. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that. I, I thought we were just going to skip right over that. But, uh, yep, Stephon Diggs. Danica mm. Patrick. Not our favorite thumbs, host Thumbs of all down. Yeah. Thumbs down. Sorry. Thumbs down. And then on the number of shots of uh, Aaron Rodgers. Probably more than Kim Mulkey at an LSU baseball game <laughs> a couple of years ago. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty close. All right, uh, let's get into media days. We'll talk a little football. Of course, Conference USA media days continue to roll along over in Frisco. Uh, Fox and Nick Brown are over there. In fact, I think they're doing a show today from 10 to 1, pushing it up because of the number of coaches going this morning. Uh, we'll get into Louisiana Tech, and you'll hear from uh, Skip Holtz later in the show. The major talking points that came out of it for me was the fact that they've come so close to you know contending for a conference championship but once they get to the finish line, they kind of trip. They want to finish the job this year and win a conference title. Yeah, uh, that's been the storyline every year, though, right? I mean, we've, we've talked about this before every season, it feels. And so last year really went off the rails. Like, it was just a lot of bad fortune. You're hoping, as a Louisiana Tech fan, that this is all going to pay off with a – with good fortune this year, right? And I think that's kind of what – that's what I took away from it, the fact that, you know, maybe all of these things that happened over the last couple of years have built toward this season. I got to tell you, I mean, you, you look at the, you know, preseason on paper, I certainly like Louisiana Tech this year. Uh, let's just hope that they can get some of those momentum swings that they weren't able to get last year. Four bowl, four straight bowl victories is nice for – course Louisiana Tech but ultimately it's about winning a conference championship no excuses this year for the dogs that was also a common theme that we heard from Teddy Teddy Beal and Jalen Ferguson more coming up from Conference USA media days in a little bit also SEC media days yesterday and of course the major talking point and everybody was focused in on Nick Saban in the quarterback battle yeah I, I look Saban is a master manipulator okay he got up there, and he even admitted this on the Paul Feinbaum show. He got up there, and he set the tone by saying, y'all created the quarterback controversy, which is not true. The, the fact that you replaced your quarterback in the national championship game and the backup led you to a victory, it's not like the, the media was just sitting around going, you know what would be interesting? Let's talk about you know which quarterback should start. No, that was created because of what happened in that game. That's the first thing. Second thing, he says that whatever we're still determining everything. He says if if I if you ask me something that we have I haven't answered yet, I will answer with it's yet to be determined. And so he said that so many times yesterday that it gave him an out or a way of not answering these questions. We'll get into some headlines from SEC Media Days. Of course, it wraps up today with Auburn, Vandy, and South Carolina. It's uh, all boo, <laughs> boo. I'm bored with that, man. <laughs> it's all part of the starting lineup, brought to you by Louisiana Painter. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Brad Hudson from the Commercial Dispatch will join us live from Atlanta coming up at 7.15. Columbus Dispatch. I didn't say I said Commercial Dispatch. I know. It's Columbus Commercial Dispatch. 
Oh, okay, good. Oh, oh, you got me. All right. Ah, I'm just nice. making sure we're saying the title right. Ah. I've always said Columbus Dispatch. The TV guy telling a newspaper guy about a newspaper. Okay. I like this. All right. You didn't know it was the commercial dispatch? I always skip the word commercial. I need to double check that. <laughs> <laughs> you said it with such conviction. I thought you were correct. Uh, Skip Olds will join us. Uh, we got some sound from him later in the show. We'll hear from uh, Nick Saban about his marriage, his quarterbacks, and transfers. How about that? Yeah, uh, I don't care about his marriage, but everybody wants to ask about Miss Terry. Uh, Ross Blankenship, a former West Monroe head coach, now has a company called TD Sport, uh, 2D Sports. He will be hosting the Tri-State Championships out in Sterlington uh, starting on Thursday, I believe. He will join us at 8 o'clock. Why don't you read that for me? Uh, that's the shortened version. I'll find the commercial dispatch. Columbus Dispatch, you're, you're throwing out fake news. <laughs> the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 back after this. We're going to go live to the SEC Media Days with Brett Hudson after the break. Welcome back to the show. Did we get it all figured out during that first segment? Uh, I want to bring in Brett Hudson from the Commercial Dispatch to, to weigh in. Our first segment, we go through all the headlines, Brett, I'm sure you're very familiar with it after doing this show for a while. I kept saying from the Commercial Dispatch, and the newspaper guy over here, Jake Martin, was giving me a hard time, said I got it wrong. I thought it was Columbus Dispatch. I didn't realize Commercial was in there. So who yeah, right? it, is, uh, it, is, it is the Commercial Dispatch and. <clears throat> In Columbus, yes. I mean we. I mean, when I identify myself, I go with the Dispatch. That's that's the local brand. But technically, the the masthead says the Commercial Dispatch, so that's uh, that's what I roll with. They're located on Main Street there in Columbus, Mississippi. <laughs> I don't know why you know that, but congratulations. <laughs> All right, man. Day four. Are are you wearing down in Atlanta at the SEC media days? A little bit. Yeah, I got I got my coffee earlier earlier this morning. I. Uh, uh, I was filling out my preseason All SEC ballot uh, before before y'all called, so I'm uh, I'm I'm hitting I'm hitting the end here. I probably need to take a a day or two when I get back before I I really gear up for for the grind until December. Brett, you've got Auburn, Vandy, and South Carolina today. <laughs> Can you please tell me how excited you are for these three on the final day? You know, everyone that knows me knows that I'm a Vanderbilt football guy. Everyone that knows me knows that. So this is this is my Super Bowl. I don't know what you're talking about, Jake. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I thought they would have left the heavyweight. I guess you could say Auburn's a heavyweight for sure, but Gus yeah. doesn't exactly scream excitement. Why not though? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, honestly, the most exciting person here today is going to be Jarrett Stidham, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unless Derek Mason brings some fire suit game as he normally does. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're right though. I think, uh, I think with Nick Saban in Alabama going, going yesterday, I wouldn't be surprised if this room is, uh, is quite empty today, especially considering, uh, ACC media days is either starting today or getting going, uh, pretty soon. So there's, there's obviously a lot of attention for that, for that conference as well. So they, uh, they didn't do themselves favors on, on the scheduling, but. All right, Brett, just a second ago you said you were filling out your poll. Is that for the uh, players, uh, the preseason poll? What is it considered? Players, players and the uh, and the standings. Yeah, I haven't okay. gotten to the, to the standings yet, but, uh, I mean, I have a decent idea. All right, I want to go there, and I want you to just reveal how difficult is it, uh, your first team all-SEC quarterback, who do you pencil in there? Jarrett Stidham. Okay. It, 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 it was difficult. Not No. No, I mean it was it was difficult, but but I I went I went with Jarrett Stidham just because uh, watching him throw deep balls against Mississippi State last year was like a as Brett Bielema would put it a borderline erotic experience. I mean that that guy throws an incredible ball. He clearly has incredible control of that of that offense. I mean there's there's a lot of people who are going to argue for Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama. I'm still saying small sample size on on that. Don't I mean I think he's a great quarterback and I think he's going to do good things at Alabama. I, I just don't know that as certain as I know that with with Jarrett Stidham just because of the, the small sample size with with Tua. I think Nick Fitzgerald has to show me some more accuracy before I believe in him to the level of a first team all SEC guy. Uh, I mean, I think Jared Stidham and Drew Locke is really the the primary 
debate there, and, and I go Jared Siddham just based on, on potential because I feel like I know what Drew Locke is, uh, which is obviously a pretty high-caliber quarterback. I just don't know that – I think there's more for Jared Siddham to do, and I think that he's, he's going to show that this year. All right, the tougher question. I know you uh, Mississippi State guys have two good ones up there with the, uh, the two defensive linemen. Did you get Rashard Lawrence? Did you give him a first-team All-SEC ballot? I have not gotten to the defensive line yet, but he's going to be—he's going to be really, really tough. Because I, I mean, Mississippi State defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons—he absolutely has to be on there, in my opinion. And, and then Rashard Lawrence is going to be a tough one to to put in there with uh, with all the guys at Alabama and other guys in, in this league. The, the defensive line is the hardest part of this exercise every single year. So it, it's going to be. Uh, a conversation amongst myself with Jeffrey Simmons, with Richard Lawrence, with the Alabama guys. Uh, Georgia have a few guys on the defensive line that are reputable as well. Uh, that, that's that's going to be really, really tough. I'll let you know what I decide on. But Richard is obviously going to be on the short list there. Will, will you have more than two LSU players on the All-SEC team, first team? Ooh. Probably not. Mm. Probably not. I mean, if if, if Richard is on there, who else? Who else would you put on there off the top of your head? That's the tough one. I know Devin White and Greedy will make it, but I'm having trouble figuring out who else would make it. Yeah, I, I think you need both of them and Richard to go first team to get more than two on on the first team. I think that's what that's what you're. You're counting on there, and, and honestly, as, as we've seen with the questions at SEC Media Days here and every year, there's a lot of lazy people here who are probably just going to put two <laughs> Alabama guys and two Georgia guys on the defensive line and call their ballot done and not even pay what? attention to what Richard Lawrence has done late in the year and will do in, in 2018. So, I mean, they, they, might, not, they might not like that, uh, that take, but it's, it's the truth. They can deal with it. What lazy media guys? Who would have thunk it? All right, Brett. Uh, how did, did y'all did y'all hear the did y'all hear the question yesterday where someone thought Jacob Beeson was still at Georgia? Yes, yeah. we had fun with that, Brett. Yeah, that was tough. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, how did it play out with Saban at the podium? What was the kind of response from the, the media members there? It, it was weird. So he he did the the classic Saban thing where he said, "I'm not going to talk about quarterbacks. It's to be determined." Blah, 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 blah. But then someone, um, I, I thought it was kind of a, a, a dumb question, but it worked out really well for him. Someone asked him if uh, if Jalen Hurts was still going to be on the roster in the fall. And when he asked it, I, like, I actually grimaced in, in my yeah. seat. And then, and then Nick Saban said, well, I don't Good know. Question. I certainly hope so. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, why would you not commit to a quarterback being on your roster in, in the fall? That was really, really weird. Um, and, and he even said one more thing about it when, when pressed. It was, I think it was the third or fourth quarterback question where he got a little testy with, with an Alabama beat writer. Uh, it wasn't the question. The, the question itself was legitimate. It was just that he, he'd had enough of the quarterback talk. But, but I got bad news for him because we're in mid-July, and he's not going to play a football game until the 1st of September. So he's, uh, he's got a full six weeks of quarterback questions coming for him. Brett, can you imagine being on that beat? and what that would be like trying to grind it out and get responses and answers from him? I got my two years as a student. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm done fighting Nick Saban for, for a little while. Uh, your guy, Moorhead, of course, Mississippi State, how did that play out? You know, he impressed a lot of people. I think that was one of the biggest things, if not for the Alabama quarterback situation. That probably would have been the biggest thing out of out of yesterday because he toiled away at, at Penn State, a place that, unfortunately, a lot of Southern football fans don't really pay attention to. Uh, but he, he did incredible things there. And for a lot of people, this was their first exposure to anything Joe Moorhead, his personality, much less his on-field on uh, exploits and and they're very impressed with him as as everyone has been impressed with Joe Moorhead he's he's a very intelligent person he speaks well and he he has I think it's that perfect blend of confidence where it's obvious confidence and it, it comes off that way but it's not cockiness it's just a very calm confidence I guess he he stuck with his often used taglines taking this program from good to great and living up to a championship standard and I think he 
he communicated all of that very well. I followed him around a little bit, so he was obviously in the main media room and communicated that well, but he did the same thing in some of the other rooms he was in throughout the day. So I think he he impressed a lot of people, and, and, I, and I wonder if that does change the conversation about Mississippi State because that was something he started saying towards the end that when he comes back here next year, he wants, he wants Mississippi State to be in the conversation to win the SEC West, not to just be – competing with some of the teams that are going to do that. And and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Moorhead's presence and personality here on top of what should be a really good season to come might actually change that conversation. All right, Brett, I saw a crazy statistic. I, I can't remember where, but it said that Mississippi State had 9% chance to win the SEC West. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you saw that, and – I know you haven't filled out your standings yet, but you said you had a pretty good idea. Uh, if yeah. you could for us, can you tell us who you have winning the West and, and if you want to rank every team, would love for you to do that. So uh, I'm going to go out on a real limb here and have Alabama winning the West. I'm sure y'all will get a bunch of Twitter hot take traction on that. Um, I think I'm really going to struggle between Mississippi State and Auburn for second in the SEC West. And I'm, I'm being honest because that game is in Starkville. Right, I still don't know what to expect of LSU. I'm, I just don't know with with that team. I don't really have high expectations for for Texas A&M. So Auburn has to go to Starkville, and that game could very well decide second place in the SEC West. I mean, call me out if I'm if I'm talking just completely crazy, but that's totally reasonable. And I just don't know who's going to win that game. I mean. This is the most talented Mississippi State roster they've had, arguably, in program history. Uh, I'm sure I've said that on this show before. And that game is at home. They know it's a huge game. And and actually, this exact scenario played itself out in 2014 when Mississippi State climbed itself up to to number one of the nation for, for a few weeks. They had a big, I think it was number two versus number three, Auburn versus Mississippi State game in Starkville. And Dak Prescott and crew won that game. It's it's right there for them to to do it again so i think the ceiling for mississippi state is second in the sec west but they could fall down to fourth if the wide receiver position really bites them worse than i think it will uh but i I think second or third is where i'm going to have them and now i just have to decide who i think is going to win that game i think it's in october when when auburn visits starkville Brett, we'll let you get to work because you are certainly not one of those lazy media members from the commercial dispatch. What's the best way to follow you throughout this day and throughout the football season? And don't you forget it, Dietrich. I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson. Everything is there. Um, and I'm on Facebook for those for those that are on Facebook that aren't uh, fake news accounts. Um, Facebook.com slash Brett Hudson Sports, but mostly on Twitter, Brett underscore Hudson. As always, we appreciate the time. The check is in the mail. Thank you, Brett Hudson. Thank you, gentlemen. You thought 9% was high or low? Low. That was low. If you're going to, I think Auburn had 22%. I would have liked to have seen Auburn and Mississippi State a little bit closer. I Brett just broke it down really well, and I agree with mostly everything he just said about Mississippi State. Because when you're looking at teams who could supplant Alabama, and trust me, I don't think anybody is, but... We've seen crazier things happen. I think it comes down to either Auburn or Mississippi State because their schedules do favor that situation. And like you said, you, you get that game in Starkville, that could that could decide who's either second or maybe we see maybe we see Mississippi State beat Alabama. I don't think I like Alabama over Auburn this year. I, I think Mississippi State's got a shot. I do. I think they're built to to, to compete with a team like Bama. We saw that last year, and they return a lot of those pieces. Mm. 888-993-7762. You'll hear from uh, Nick Saban later in the show on that quarterback drama. Coming up next, it's all about the Conference USA. Media Days Day 2 is about to kick off over there in Frisco, Texas. Of course, the Bulldogs were the featured attraction yesterday. You'll hear from uh, Skip Holtz coming up next on the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Welcome back to to the show uh today's louisiana tech report brought to you by legacy rehab they offer physical occupational and speech therapy solutions for many of our local health care facilities whether it's sports medicine pediatrics or chronic pain management legacy covers it all serving locations in ruston monroe bastard farmerville bernice minden and south arkansas call 255-5980 for more information that would be legacy rehab louisiana tech of course uh 
The Bulldogs made their way over to Frisco yesterday for the Conference USA Media Days. Teddy Veal, Jalen Ferguson, and Skip Holtz. Big things expected out of this team this year with the number of players coming back and what they've done over the course of the last uh, literally four years with four straight bowl victories. But the one thing that has eluded this program, a conference championship. Sean Fox, I guess Jake Martin does not want to pipe I, in. Well, look I, I keep feeling like <laughs> – I keep thinking you're setting up the audio. No, I'm just setting you up. <laughs> okay. So I'm like, all right, that's a nice lead in for the audio. and then I was trying to set you up. I put it on a tee and literally <laughs> – I was just watching the ball. Yeah. I got caught looking. Uh, strike one, strike two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what else, you know, in terms of Louisiana Tech, I, I – I'm so anxious to see how they handle conference play this year. The conference was kind of flipped on its head last year, which is why I felt that this media day was going to be interesting. This year, I expect it to be more uh, business as usual, and I expect Louisiana Tech to be one of those teams to beat in the conference. So I just think if you're looking at it as a Louisiana Tech fan, you're going, please, no bad bounces. Just no bad bounces. And I think we can get back to the, you know, plan for a, a conference title and, and back to being one of the or the premier team in the league. Sean Fox and Nick Brown had the opportunity to track down Skip Holtz yesterday at conference media days and ask him some hard-hitting questions. I know it's been a long day. Thanks for coming on. God, I appreciate you guys finally making time for me. I've been sitting here waiting all sure. stinking day. Sure. You that's me? what I was telling him. You, you know, know what? I, mean, really. I just appreciate you fitting me in, you know. I thought he was going to cost him my sideline job <laughs> if we don't get him on, you know. <laughs> Things we do for the little people. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it, too. I want you to talk about we had him on in the 3 o'clock hour. Incredibly impressive. Two young men. I think great representatives for your team in, in Jalen Ferguson and Teddy Veal. You know, no way you brought them. You're, you're talking about two young men. I mean, you, you look at both of them, the first in there, in their families to get a college degree. And Teddy Veal already having graduated, uh, Jalen Ferguson will take one class in the fall and graduate during the fall uh, at the end of November. Uh, he will have his degree in hand. And uh, just to watch their eyes light up, being the first one in their family to get it, knowing how important that accomplishment was, I think speaks volumes about the type of young men that they are. They're great football players. You know, we can sit and talk about height, weight, speed, what they've done, competitive nature, leadership, work ethic. But, you know, you sit here and you put them on the phone and you hear how humble they are and how they talk about their teammates and they uh, deflect any type of award or accolade given just to them. And they're just they're great teammates they're great leaders they're great people They're I can't say enough about both of them. And, you know, you talk about a Teddy Veal transfers in here sits for a year and then gets voted as a captain by his peers before he ever plays a play at Louisiana Tech. And I think that just speaks volumes for the type of young men that he is. You know, you say that because that's exactly what Jalen said. We said, you know, what makes you so good? And he said, my teammates. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you talk to – Both of them said yeah, that. Yeah, then you ask Teddy Veal, you know, what I asked him what his individual goals were because I have no individual goals. My goals are the team to win a conference championship. Right, right. And that's where they are. And that's what they said to me. It's like, you know what, Coach, we have, we have four bowl rings. You know, we're leaving here with four bowl rings, but we want a fifth. But we want that conference championship ring, you know what I mean? And I think it's just the drive that they have, the leadership that they provide, the unselfishness that they have. And I'm sitting here listening to them do all these interviews during the course of the day. Uh, and it's like, you know, what are people going to do to stop you? And what if they double-team you? Uh, both of them. You know, Teddy Veal said, well, there's other receivers, and I'd hate to think that they left those guys one-on-one because I know what they're capable of doing. And Jalen said, well, then all of a sudden you got a Jordan Bradford and a County Gardner and a Kadarian Mason, and, you know, you got guys up front that if they want to double-team me, that's going to leave one of those other guys in a single block. And it's part of the reason that we've been able to have some success is because we've just got very unselfish players that have bought into the team aspect. And, you know, this is radio, not TV. We've kind of just tried to describe the setup here, and as you can see, the uh, us radio guys are the island of misfit toys. Once yep. again, we're the only radio station <laughs> repping here at Conference USA. But, we're but all can I just say yeah. how great it is that you're Thank here? You, how how that. how awesome that it is. And you know oh. what? And I'm going to say this, that uh, every other school walks up here, walks out of that room, and they have to walk right by this, and they're saying to themselves, man, wouldn't it be cool if we sent our radio people to, to media day, you know what, and, and that's that's part of what makes that's part of what makes Louisiana Tech special. And I've heard some of the people in the interviews and say what makes what's the hardest place to play in the conference.
Texas. And uh, a guy told me, said Louisiana Tech came across more than any other school. You know, you know what? It's because of people like you. It's because of our fan base. It's because of the support the community gives it. Uh, but I promise you, every school's walking out of there and every head coach just says, man, wouldn't it be cool if my radio station came? I almost want to end the interview there and roll credits. Yeah. But as you can see, we're, we're on our own. We don't really know what's going on down there. And I don't know how much you can talk about it, but we did see Twitter's been a buzz. What's the deal as much as you can talk about with the 10th assistant? Um, you know, right now, I mean, we don't we don't have a 10th assistant right now. It has not been approved here at Louisiana Tech. And so, you know, I'm we're waiting patiently, and I'm sure that day will come. And until then, we're just going to roll our sleeves up, and we're going to compete like, compete like crazy to get done what we got to get done. Four schools have won four straight bowl games. Can you name the other three? I can. Georgia, Wisconsin, Utah, and Louisiana Tech. That's pretty good company to be it with. It is pretty good company. And, you know, as we talk about, there's there's a lot of things that we can beat our chest about and some of the things we've accomplished. You know, four years ago, we had two bowl wins in our school history. We had been to back-to-back bowl games, I believe, one time in our school history. And so now to have six, to have four in the last four years, to add four more bowl games to that, I mean, to go from six to ten, uh, a lot of things that we've done, a lot of great accomplishments. But, you know, the thing the the thorn in our sides that drives us that continues to drive us isn't a motivating factor to say wow we're we're the underdogs but it's it's unfinished business it's you know what it's the one point loss at South Carolina it's the one point loss at Arkansas it's the triple overtime loss at Kansas State it's the one point loss at North Texas this year it's the elusive conference championship we've played for it twice out of the last four years we have not won it those are the things that that continue to drive us with what we're doing right now and like I said I think we've got we got a good nucleus of people Uh, I said when I first came here that to build a program everybody was a piece the coaches were a piece players were a piece fan base was a piece our media was a piece I mean this was all a piece of the puzzle to build the picture and right now I think the picture is really starting to come together and it looks really strong I'm excited to see where it's going to be in the next five years this is the first year you've had a returning starting returning quarterback (laughs) Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, yes. That, 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 and this that, is year six. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. And so we've won four bowl games with four different quarterbacks. I mean, so you maybe could go back and look at Georgia, Utah. We had another stat and see who's done that. Yeah. Uh, you know, interesting college football is changing. It is evolving. You look at the kickoff rules, but now you have one about redshirting. And I think that is one that is really intriguing because, number one, it's going to keep guys more motivated, but also, two, they're now going to become a part of, like, if, if I were redshirting, I may not go to all this team meeting, but now everybody – Keep all hands on deck, ready to go. What a great rule. What a what a phenomenal rule for these young men. You know, I mean, so many of the rules uh, are made, so, so to speak, you know, to hold them back. I mean, this is one that I think is phenomenal. I think it's going to give some of the upperclassmen late in the season an opportunity to rest. It's going to give some of these freshmen an opportunity to play. You're no longer, we're changing our practice schedules already because we've got to continue to develop these young men that are redshirting, where in the past we would go through about a week to 10 days of camp, make a decision who's going to play, who's going to redshirt. Well, they would go to the scout team and we would move on and start getting ready for the season. Now we're going to spend that extra time with each one of those guys to try and continue to develop them because by middle of the season or or definitely by game eight, they're open to play. You know, all, all right. of a sudden they can play game eight to 12. Theoretically, theoretically, you look at FAU down uh, November 11th. Okay, you look at going to FAU. You could have a larger travel roster because you're going down now because they may have only set out one or two games right. and you've got more depth for that game. I mean, is that the – you still are you still are following the conference rules as far as traveling with only seventy. You know, okay, so seventy you're going to get se- to there. seventy is your travel rule, so you're still there. But what it's going to do is normally late in the season because of injuries and like an Alfred Smith all of a sudden got hurt in the opening game. He he didn't travel for the season. Then you got Adrian Hardy missed six weeks. Uh, Rashid Bonnet missed six weeks. I mean, all those guys are out. But what's going to happen now? Some of these freshmen are going to be on the bus in their spot. And so where you were traveling, maybe it was 62. Now you can still stay at 70, and you're going to play the game with a full roster than the way it was before. 
I, that is very that is very interesting. I wish it was retroactive. You could go back maybe no, to I those do, guys. I, I but do, I do but it is going to sure. be a good rule for college football. I agree. I think it's going to be a great rule. For the young men, for the programs, for the schools, I think it will be a great rule. Well, obviously we're going to let you get out of here because one of the things I've always complimented you on is during the season you not only join our show every week, like clockwork, win or lose, you go on errands in the morning, you go on Fletcher over at Shreveport's in the morning. So obviously we're going to talk to you throughout the season. But um, you've accomplished a lot. And that we talked about, you know, we've talked about this on and off there. There was a time when just getting to a bowl game at Louisiana Tech was a big deal. Right. Now that's the expectation. Yes. What's it going to take to take that elusive next step and win the league? Um, well, like you said, win the league. I mean, to, to find a way to – win that game, that, that South Carolina game, that Arkansas game, that Kansas State game. I think it's some of the Power 5 games that we play, and I think it's the conference championship. That's that's what we're fighting for. I mean, that's what the goals are. What's it going to take? Well, last year it would have taken three plays. You know, I mean, last year it would have taken one play in the North Texas game, one in the Southern Miss game, the, the field goal going through in the UAB game, and all of a sudden you're playing for a conference championship again. Where that takes us, I don't know. But uh, we just got to continue to get better, to continue to improve. I can't tell you, oh, you know what, if we just do X, you know, there's a lot of variables that go into that. And so I think we just have to continue to build our program uh, every day with what we're doing. I like how far we've come in the, in the, in the last four or five years, but we're certainly not where we want to be yet as well. Appreciate you as always, my friend. So do I. And you know what? We need to get together and do this before the before uh, the season starts. I know we do it every week when we're on the air for no, 10, I, 15 I, I minutes. No, I told you, and I told you, at least an we, hour to co-host. We yeah. need to have a dinner, and we need to sit down, and we just need to maybe sit down, have a dinner, and then do an hour show. And, yeah, and, and we need to have to like a it. signal that you give me on the sidelines, like, hey, one, two questions, and I'm out of here. So okay, we've got to have it. a good work. That's yeah, it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, hey, we'll work on those signals that <laughs> night. If it's not good by halftime, you know, when he goes one, it's one <laughs> question. <laughs> one question, there you go. I'm answering one. Then, uh, then I'm done. You can ask as many as you want, but I'm answering one. But, no, I do. I appreciate the job y'all doing. Thank you so much for oh, being here. Like I said, it. it makes a difference, and it makes a difference – you know what, uh, Jalen Ferguson and Teddy Veal, every, it makes a difference to everybody that was here. We appreciate We've what you We've always been complimentary, and we appreciate that. Skip Thank Holtz, everybody. Good stuff there with uh, Skip Holtz yesterday in Frisco. So there was some news that came out yesterday, and they referenced there, and you heard uh, Skip's response. They get a text here, uh, Tech being the only team in the FBS without a 10th assistant coach due to budget. Is that a good or bad luck, uh, look for the program? Obviously, it is not. A good look. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. Um, it's a disadvantage, clearly, you know, and, and I, I think that's – it's got to be resolved. Something has to be figured out there to where Tech can even the playing field because right now others have 10 assistants. Tech doesn't. And obviously it all came to a head, and, and at this point Skip Holtz was like, it's time to make it public about us not having a 10th assistant. I don't know how originally the question arose or how it came up yeah. in his commentary, his opening statement, or uh, in in the big picture of how it played out at Conference USA. But it is out there now. But you certainly think they have time to get it worked out before practices start. But then again, so you're just going to add a, a coach at the last minute? I think this issue could have been resolved about a month yeah, or two it, months it, ago. It should have. It definitely should have. 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. See how the power of choice can save you money on home and auto insurance. We're back after this. All right, we need to plug a couple things. Uh, former West Monroe baseball coach Ross Blankenship will join us at the top of the hour. He is a... Uh, Running and organizing the Tri-State Championships will take place out at the new Sterlington Baseball Complex. That's a competition that will feature Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi prospects. We look forward to hearing from Ross coming up at the top of the hour. We didn't even plug it early on. So with the SBs yesterday, we're going to do our own little version, high school style, correct? Yeah. We'll In the 8 o'clock hour? Sure, sure. Don't be so excited about it, Oh Well, you know. Uh, Are you going to play the role of uh, Danica Patrick? Uh, yes, I'll be as uh, unfunny as I possibly can be. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll get to that. But first, I feel like we need to touch on lots of things that came from yesterday from different conferences. So, of course, Saban is the biggest takeaway, I think, from yesterday. But 
I, I, I will say there was one story that might have been bigger than anything Saban said. And that revolved around Larry Fedora and his comments about CTE and about playing football. Now, if you missed it, here Larry Fedora, of course, is the, the head coach at North Carolina, who was once upon a time talked about as a potential replacement for Les Miles. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they went nine er, – I'm sorry, three and nine last year. Kind of fell off. But then he said this yesterday, and this does not help his brand. He says, our game is under attack. I fear that the game will be pushed so far from what we know that we won't recognize it 10 years from now. And if it does, our country will go down too. That's being <laughs> a little over dramatic. And I and listen, I can there are certain things you can get away with saying in, in my eyes as far as that goes. I talked about it before how they are taking pieces away from the game that we love and that it's going to be dangerous. You can't make football safe. I get that. But when you go as far as to say that the country will go down too, and you also say, which I don't have this quote in front of me, but he said he was talking talking about CTE, and he was saying that there's no direct correlation between CTE and football injuries. Come on, man! All the studies that have been done, you're gonna you're gonna try to play that card. That's not that's not smart. Mm. So anyway, I, I think uh, Larry Fedora definitely uh, shoved his foot in his mouth yesterday. And uh, definitely hurt his own brand. And in fact, I saw some columns. Of course, you know Dan Dan Walken, who is a guy who he he's a um, what is it clickbait type of guy. But he wrote a, he wrote a column, and it's hard to to argue with this. If Larry Fedora isn't smart enough to see the correlation between CTE and football, he isn't smart enough to be a football coach. Mm. Maybe he's just taking more. He wanted more of the focus to be off his football program, and actually the product that they're putting on the field I would rather, for this fall. I would rather catch heck for being three and nine than catch heck <laughs> for being insensitive about head injuries. Yeah, national security's on the line. It's just like <laughs> football goes down. Yeah, he certainly helped his case by saying that. Uh, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Um, Joe Moorhead, I thought, was a superstar at SEC Media Days. Wow. The thing that I told – remember I told you I, I was not looking forward to Dan Mullen so much just because he's not at Mississippi State anymore. He's not going to be taking shots at Ole Miss. Well, Moorhead took a subtle jab at Ole Miss, and I was happy to see that. With his hands in his pockets, he referenced his team as being the best Power 5 team in the state. Love it. You don't mention Ole Miss, but you take a jab at them. I'm a fan of that. Mm. Then, um, you know, he, he was, he's a guy who – you know, he he introduced himself to MSU players by asking them what their ring size was, mm. <laughs> and he told Nick Nick Fitzgerald, "Hey, uh, you you need to dust off a mantle for the Heisman." Wow. So I mean, this is a confident guy. Uh, he's he's got a certain type of swagger to him, and I, I'm really excited about his. I know you're all about Chad Morris. You think Chad Morris is going to be uh, the darling of the conference in the years to come? I. I View Joe Moorhead in that light. I think Moorhead's going to be that guy. Moorhead joked uh, yesterday when I saw the, earlier in the spring that I was speaking in the same day as Coach Saban, I was a little worried I was going to have to go after him. It would be like taking the stage and performing after the Beatles, and no one's going to be in their seats and paying attention to what you're doing. <laughs> Moorhead held his own. He, sure, he certainly did. Um, another thing that made me laugh was Mike Gundy uh, talking about how most kids uh, don't like to farm. His quote was, they'd much rather be playing Fortnite. Well, somebody tweeted this quote in this video, and his son, Gavin Gundy, retweeted it and said, at me next time, Dad. <laughs> That's good stuff, That's man. well played. That's awesome. Um, I thought that was funny. UCF uh, made me laugh when they tweeted out, our ears are bleeding after Nick Saban. <laughs> I, w I don't know if I would classify it as taking a shot, but he certainly – you know, dismissed UCF a little bit because he was talking about uh, the playoffs and he was talking about eliminating basically games against like the Citadel, which is something that a lot of people always talk about with Alabama. He was saying he wants to play more conference games. He would like to play more uh, big time opponents. And so you can eliminate those games. And so then you can have 
teams that aren't undefeated reach the playoff because they're all playing really difficult schedules. By saying that, by, by talking about the caliber of the schedule, that's taking a subtle jab at UCF because he said that after someone asked a question about UCF potentially getting into the playoff. Mm. So UCF tweets out, our ears are bleeding. I thought that was funny. All right, let's get into the, the main storyline and the storyline we're going to hear for quite some time. And, of course, it features around Alabama's quarterbacks and who will be under center for the Tide come the fall. Of course, Saban was asked about it a couple of times, and of course, he gets a little testy. Here's Saban on his QBs. And I think the number one thing that you'll want to talk about is the quarterback controversy that you'd love to create, that you've already created, that you will continue to create. And I will tell you the same thing exists there. It's still to be determined as to who's going to play quarterback for Alabama. So you can ask all the questions about it, but it's still to be determined. All right. Two of them basically missed spring practice due to an injury. Uh, Jalen had a good spring. Um, both guys have had great summers. And we're just going to have to see who wins the team in fall camp. So we'll see. So some of your questions, when you ask me about that, I'm going to say, we'll see. So don't get mad at me. <laughs> I love that guy. I think it's great. Uh, and. and you know what? He let his guard down a little bit in the Feinbaum interview. He was very calm and relaxed. And actually, he told a story that I hadn't heard before about when he met Tua in the tunnel uh, after the game in the national championship. You know, Tua took a sack before throwing that touchdown. And uh, Tua said, Coach, I just needed more room to throw the ball, mm. which I thought was funny. But uh, in terms of this, Aaron, the quarterback controversy. What I got from yesterday's press conference from Saban was he was talking directly to Jalen Hurts mm. the entire time. Because, you know, Brett mentioned it earlier, the fact that he didn't uh, confirm that for sure that Jalen Hurts would be part of the team, you know, come come fall practice, come the first game of the season, which is kind of weird because, you know, you would expect one of your quarterbacks that's battling for the job to be on the team. So – what he he talked a lot about what both quarterbacks can do for the team, whether they're starting or not, and he talked a lot also about ways that they can they can find ways to play both guys. And I think that's saying, hey, two is going to be our starter, but we can still put Jalen in to run the football. All right, we only got a minute here, but Jalen Hurts is in a golden opportunity here, and I did not realize that he is literally on track to graduate in December. So two and a half years, he will graduate from Alabama. So what that says. With that, with that being, and then of course the new uh, red, red shirt, shirt rule. Mm -hmm. Literally, if he has the opportunity to play in four games for Alabama this fall and still able to transfer, and then have two years of eligibility remaining, and will be able to play, eligible to play right away. So literally, Saban has an ace in his pocket. Perhaps if Tua goes down, you have to, of course. You know, negotiate how you're going to handle this situation with Hertz and his playing time, and well, whether or not his ego can handle it or not. That's the thing, man. You're talking about an ego here, and it's, really, it's his dad's ego. Where if he gets beat out and Saban names Tua as the starter, is he going to just run off and say, "You know what? Yeah, it would be smarter for me to stick around and do go that route that you just explained, Darren." But you know what? You you want to give him the starting job? You don't think I'm good enough to play? Let's just hope Tua doesn't get hurt. I'm going to go off and, and, and go see my buddy Lane or, or whatever. Mm. You, know. <laughs> <laughs> you had to go there. I had to. 888-993-7762. Uh, Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, a huge baseball tournament that's heading to Northeast Louisiana. That's coming up after the break. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.